Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now. I am Steve Kiliani. And I'm Dave Murray. And And we are certainly no longer under the radio schedule where we did a show every week. (laughs) I was just going to say, our pace pace for podcasts this year, no excuses, but it's it's been a little slow. It's been a little slow. And we've had, I was sick last week and you were out of town. And you were sick, and I don't know. We've had all kinds of stuff going on. Right. But that's the beauty of the podcast, is you don't have to get up you know, Sunday morning and force yourself to talk about something, even when you have nothing to say. Yeah, well, that I think that's the great part. And so, hey, do you guys make money on those podcasts? <laughs> well, gee, if we were making a living on these podcasts, then we would actually be not making a living. Based on the amount of podcasts that we do, there's nothing about money that's involved. We talk about money. Right. There is no podcasts money involved a, in, in podcasts. No. And, and I mean, frankly, I know you listen to Tony Kornheiser's show occasionally. and you know, I listen I mean, to some different podcasts occasionally. but it, you know. It's not easy to make money in podcasting, even when you've got a big audience, you know, um, which we're getting there. We're not well, quite there yet. <laughs> I've got to ask you: Do we ever? Are we ever talk about the audience on this I podcast? I, yeah, honestly, I have not looked. I'll, I'll check it out after we do All this. Right. I don't want to talk about the specific numbers because <laughs> I want everybody who actually <laughs> listens to think, "Wow, I'm a part of two thousand people who listen to this podcast." All right. Um, <laughs> so, what we want to talk about today, though. Uh, I, I don't know if this article could have been written more perfectly to address what we do and what we talk about, but this was something I saw a couple weeks ago, uh, and it was titled The Four Horsemen of the Retirement Apocalypse, and it just it just nails what we try to convey to people as far as the issues facing everyone in retirement. Yeah, I read that. I mean, you found it, but then you ran it by me, and I was like, this is why I don't like to write articles and rather would do <laughs> things like a podcast because this whoever wrote this took the time, I think really uh, succinctly put together everything that we believe in and, and did a nice job putting it together, put it, a nice job sort of without being too verbose, I right. think, really putting together really what we think going forward with retirement planning is all about right but you know it's succinct but it's got a lot of data in here which of course appeals to me as well so what are the four horsemen of the retirement apocalypse uh number one 
historically high equity valuations. Now, if you're not somebody who likes to just talk about P.E. ratios in your part-time, your spare time, let us walk you through what this means. Uh, When companies are trading on the stock market, there's something called a P.E. or price-to-earnings ratio, which basically says that if I have a stock that's selling for $20 a share and my company earns $1 a share in earnings, I'm trading at a 20 P.E. ratio. That's easy. Pretty easy, right? Now, P.E. ratios will fluctuate. They'll go up and down from time to time. And most famously, if you remember investing back in the late 90s, this is when tech stocks and the dot-com bubble were occurring. Everyone started talking about how the internet was changing the world. Right. And yes, the internet has changed the world, but but people thought for a, a brief time there that this meant that you could pay 30 to 32 times oh, earnings. And even more, I remember, this is going to be a very brief story about that, but someone told me I should invest in this website. It was, I don't know if you remember the Surgeon General from the past, but his name was very famous, C. Everett Coop. Sure. And he had one of those medical websites or okay. something. Dave, you really should invest in this. <laughs> Um, that thing went down to zero right? very fast. Yeah, so <laughs> everyone kind of figured out in the late 90s, early 2000s, oh, wait a second, it actually matters if your company makes money. Uh, making money is still important to stocks. So w- when you look at this and you put it in some historical perspective, on average, stocks usually trade in the range of 17 to 18 times earnings. And they've certainly traded for less. They've certainly traded for more at times. Right now, depending on which which metric you're using to calculate it, we're trading somewhere close to 20 times earnings. Okay. It's a little high. It's a little on the high side. Now, what does that mean for you, the investor, investor, for for us, for, for everybody out there? What it means, what there is a strong correlation to is... The higher you are in P.E. ratios, the lower your expected return should be going forward. And this sort of makes sense because if normally stocks trade around, let's say, 17 times earnings, and right now we're trading at 20 times earnings, well, you're not going to expect them to grow as much going forward because we already have some of that growth right now. Sure, and then look at... 2008, when everything plummeted, yep. not ev- yeah, Lehman Brothers, <laughs> that that company obviously wasn't doing well. Other companies went down the toilet, but there are a lot of great companies that are here now. Everybody's stock price went down. Obviously, their earnings were about the same, and I'm sure a lot of the company's P.E. ratios that you've heard of today that are going strong were, were pretty darn low compared to I- now in 2008. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to remember the numbers offhand, but I remember looking at GE at the time. Exactly. And GE had gone down to six dollars a share or something, and they were they were trading at somewhere low single digits, like four or five times earnings, which was just mind boggling, right? I mean, when we're talking historical averages, you know, depending on the industry, say it was even fifteen was historical average for GE, and they were trading down there. You know, incredibly low. So, 
that was obviously a great buying opportunity. Right now, we're sitting in a circumstance where P.E. ratios are not insane, but they're a little on the higher side, which means that you shouldn't be expecting big rates of return in stocks. You know, We've often talked with clients about how historically stocks have returned. Um, in fact, this article cites the number 1926 through 2017, the S&P 500 averaged 10.2%. Do not expect that going forward. You know, we think it's much more realistic to think in the six to eight percent range for stocks. Yep. Uh, Ten plus is just—it's just not realistic right now. All right, so that's our oh, first horseman of the apocalypse. Isn't the four horsemen? Isn't this some sort of drinking thing where you? you I've heard of the four horsemen. Unfortunately, I cannot illuminate you on this. <laughs> I thought because you were just in New Orleans, you would have known about this. It's like tequila, bourbon, you know, whatever. <laughs> idea. All right. Um, the second horseman of the apocalypse, the retirement apocalypse, historically low bond yields. So <clears throat> as anyone who pays attention to bank accounts, interest rates, anything, realizes we're in a very low interest rate environment right now. And this is interesting because a lot of people out there who are retiring now, who are in retirement, most of their working career has been 1980 to now, right? Or be more precise, let's say 1982 to now. You go, what's special about 1982? Well, a lot of you out there tell us about getting mortgages back in 1982. Yeah. And they say, we bought our house and we got a 17% mortgage rate. Right. And we thought that was pretty good because our friends got 18%. And what you've experienced over the last 30, 35 years has been declining interest right. rates. That's an interesting and extremely interesting point that most of us if throughout our working lifetime have only experienced interest rates going on on the down slope right which for those of you who've taken economics 101 you know that when interest rates go down bond prices go up right so what that has offered is a tailwind this extra breeze behind you for bond investors so people have been pretty used to hey my my bonds have averaged six seven eight percent per year and that's been pretty consistent over the last 35 years. And if you take an even longer look, you can see that bonds have averaged you know, somewhere in that 5.5% range. That's just not going to happen going forward. I mean, there's, there's almost mathematically no way that you can figure out how you get bonds to return 5.5% over the next decade. Go ahead. Sitting here at the beginning of March 2018, <laughs> we are certainly seeing two things as you prepare for a retirement going forward, since that's what the kind of work that we do, and that is you can't count on these averages. So when advisors show people stuff, and we do in every financial advisor, or most financial advisors have software, and you could manipulate the software, you could show clients anything that's true. Back to what you were saying earlier, what the historical return of stocks, right. I, we're allowed to show clients that because it's purely fact. Yeah. In the history of the stock market, you mentioned whatever, 10, 10.2%. The history of the bond market, bonds have gone, what's the average rate of return? 
It says More right here from 1926 through 2017, 20-year um, treasury bonds have averaged 5.5%. And, and five-year treasuries have averaged 5.1%. So, you know, it's our philosophy that you just and this guy who wrote this, that you just can't count on that. If you're going to go by the historical average going forward the next 10, 20 years, you're, you know, you are, you're being pretty optimistic. Right. In our opinion. Okay. So first horseman of the apocalypse, equity returns, second one, bond yields, third one, something we talk an awful lot about, increasing longevity. Um, and they cite in, in this article here some statistics. Um, you know, the average life expectancy for someone age 65 right now uh, is another 13 to 15 years. Um, that's somebody who was born in 1940. Now you move that up to someone who was born 25 years later, and now the life expectancy in retirement is another 15 or 20 years. You know, what this all boils down to is that there's a much better chance that you live into your late 80s. <coughs> I can't shake that cold. That, that <laughs> cough is just lingering with me. There's a much better chance that you live into your late 80s or early 90s than than your parents' generation. And planning for that is it's not an easy thing to do. No. Think about, <laughs> think about not working or working a lot less. You remember our definition of retirement now is for some people, you peaked out in your earning years, really, and your working years in your 50s, sometime in your 50s, and now you're in your mid-60s. And you might not be retired, but you are certainly, your peak earning years are in the rearview mirror, and you're getting very close to not working at all. Or you might be working a little bit, and that now, that amount of money has to last you into your 90s. And that's what the guy who wrote this article was. What's the guy's name? I don't know. So unprofessional. The guy who wrote this article. <laughs> Let me um, scroll all the way back up. Larry, are you sure you guys don't make money for these podcasts? Yeah. Larry Swedro. Okay. Well, that's what Larry there is talking about. That's a long time. Yeah. Take. How about you take this statistic here, which is seems amazing to me. For a healthy 65-year-old couple, this is a lot of people we deal with. You know, husband and wife, 65 years old, there's a 50% chance that one of them lives past 92 and a 25% chance that one of them lives, lives beyond 97. Right? 97. Well, to most people, that seems crazy. Yeah, but there's more and more people, anecdotally even. <coughs> many people know people who are 95, 94. My wife uh, goes to an art class that she's been going to. It's more like an art group. For over a decade, the lady who teaches that group and leads it is still doing it today. She's 90, I believe she's 96 or 97 years old. Wow. That's incredible. So, you know, we know we've got a plan for a long time. And the other point that um, we can actually add a really good point that this Larry Swedro did not include in here, um, the backdrop to all of this living longer and longer is fewer and fewer people having guaranteed pensions from a company or from a government that they work for um, because you know we've talked about the statistics on that about how most companies don't offer those defined benefit pension plans and part of the reason is they see everyone living longer they don't want that risk right 
by definition, that's why they got rid of it. They saw longevity statistics along well before now. Right. You know, this is another anecdotal. I was in New Orleans, and they do. A, there's a cemetery tour there. Yeah, I've been on it. And, you know, it's a big deal. If you ever go to visit New Orleans, I suggest going on some of these tours and the cemetery tour. Very interesting. But I was looking at all these gravestones and being doing the job we do, looking at when people were dying back in the day. You know, 1898 to – this was a long one. Someone would go 1898 to like 1955 or 1898 to 1960 or where you were seeing. Then I saw a few. Okay, yeah, there's one person who lived to 68. There's someone at 73. Right. There's one. Wow, 80. But for the most part, nobody would have been collecting Social Security. Right. Or only collecting for a few years. Yeah, so that's that's the third horseman here, and the final one. This one, Dave, really, um, you know, <laughs> this one's right up your alley. The risk of long term care, and this, of course, goes hand in hand with the third one. The longevity is that as you're living longer and longer, there's more chance that you will need some form of care, um, whether that's in the form of Alzheimer's or dementia or simply getting older and and needing some help getting around. Um, And we talk an awful lot about that because that's a big risk to an overall plan. You you can look and say, well, you've got good assets, you've got good income. If one person dies, husband and wife, you're okay. But what if you actually need care? And there's not really a great answer for that aside from having multiple millions of dollars not a really a good way to deal with it. Yeah, it's really been the number one. Long-term care is by far the biggest ball drop in financial planning. Not us. We have been proponents of this since the very beginning, as most people who listen to this podcast know, so we're not going to go through with it. But it, the reason long-term care insurance is important, it's no fun to, to buy a, a premium. I have lots of premiums. I pay for. I don't really enjoy writing the check for any of them. But this one you just don't have an answer for. You know, you don't have an answer for my mother-in-law spending, again, this year $130,000 of her money living there at Kensington Park. There's no answer for that. Besides, all it does is wipe out retirement assets and what... What hopefully you've learned from this episode and other ones that we've done is this retirement planning is fragile stuff. This is hard. You have some money to begin with in retirement. Good for you. You're one of, I saw something today I was reading, I don't, just perusing the internet, that 44, 45% of Americans have less than $10,000 in savings. So you actually have enough money to even think about retiring these days. You've done an awesome job. But what needs to be known is that this retirement thing is only getting harder. (laughs) You have to be, as Coach Joe Gibbs would say, super smart. Right. (laughs) And that means you got to be smart about things like long-term care and long-term care insurance. Don't sweep it under the rug. And, 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 And like I said, advisors should be pushing this super hard and the only way you could push it is to say well what are you going to do if that happens it's not like you should get it. it's like okay if this happens and today it's costing say 
eighty to one hundred twenty thousand. But when you're retired, it's going to be one sixty to two forty right. a year. And we already have this fragile plan that can't take that hit for a year, let alone two, three, four, five, six, or whatever. What are you going to do? And the answer always is. There's no logical answer. I'll kill myself. I'll nah, someone will take me in the back and shoot me. Right. All these stupid things. I'll take cyanide. None of these things you would do. Right. And and none of it's none of it's realistic. And that's everybody has to have this conversation um, at some point because the plan, while we can do it for a lot of people, and we can show you great not great numbers, but numbers that say, hey, you're going to be okay. Follow the plan. Mm-hmm. The plan collapses. No, I mean, there's no way to to plan for that, like I said, without having millions upon millions. Let me just hit you with a couple of these statistics that, you know, for me, I see these numbers all the time, but but reading this, it's it really jumps out at me. Um, so right now, uh, nearly uh, the, the likelihood of developing Alzheimer's, it doubles every five years after age 65. So every five years after that that you live, your chance of getting it doubles. Uh, after age 85, the estimates are that between a third and half of people will develop some form of dementia or Alzheimer's. Right. And we've just talked about how the chances of living into your 90s. Um, here's another statistic. I've heard you cite this one a lot um, that talks about you know the number of people who require care over the next 25 years, there's 35 million people who need care right now. That amount will double in the next 25 years. And if you will, you will have a chance of 70% if you live to age 65 of either being cognitively impaired or unable to perform two out of six activities of daily living. So basically, you live to 65, there's a 70% chance that you're going to need some form of care. Yeah. But again, the statistics are pretty overwhelming. You and I are big proponents of it. I've talked to lots of people, and some are financial people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't believe in it. I talk to people who are pretty smart. Right. And they know what I did. I don't push it, especially people who are sort of like friends. They don't even yeah. know. Some don't even know what I do. But I'll say it'll come up. And, eh, eh, I just don't believe in it. Right. Eh, it's too expensive. Eh, it's not this. Eh, I'll. <laughs> I'm just, I can't even imagine that. Right. Well, I, nobody wants to imagine it, but the notion that you don't believe in it or this and that, it, it's getting to a point now where we're real. We're in a situation that I just think is becoming pretty dire with this. And, and most people who come to my long-term care insurance seminars now, not most, but we'll say at least half, more than half. The reason they're there is not because all of a sudden the financial planning light bulb went off. The reason they're there is their mom or dad yeah. is in assisted living, and oh my god, I didn't know it cost a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Well, I didn't. I didn't see that. That's I, usually what it takes for that light bulb to go off. All right. So those are the four horsemen. Uh, of course, I'll post a link to the article here below the podcast. Thank you. For I think listening. the four horsemen led to a pretty depressing episode. <laughs> Of the Plan for Life Now podcast. We will work on being a little cheerier next time. <laughs> we'll, we'll find something very positive to talk about. Talk to you soon. <laughs>